Hey, it's Greg Hoffman from Take Command. And the best part about podcasts is they create a 25th hour in the day. Whenever I'm commuting, metro, car, even when I'm riding my bike around town, although in that case, one earphone only, safety kids, I'm always listening to podcasts. And this offseason, you can get all the insights, all the news, all the analysis, and Logan and I occasionally make a joke or two in the Take Command podcast on demand so it fits in to your busy schedule. Follow Take Command in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your pods. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's Beat reporter Craig Hoffman. Take Command Podcast. What's up? What's happening? Craig Hoffman uh, for a quick introduction live from Comedy of Errors Central. Uh, You see what had happened was uh, Logan and I recorded a podcast this morning, which was a bit of a miracle because uh, o-, o Paulson left his laptop in the DMV when he went down to the Senior Bowl in Mobile, Alabama. Uh, luckily, we were able to find a way to do a recording, or at least that's what I thought. Um, I felt like a technical genius, if I'm being honest. I was like, ah, it's okay. Let me call you on FaceTime, and I can record this and screen capture that. And um, I, uh, I made a, a little bit of a boo-boo with that recording. Luckily, it was actually a, just a little bit of a mess up. So uh, the first like two and a half minutes of the podcast are gone forever. Uh, luckily, we're able to salvage the final 44 minutes of it. And thus, you were about to hear 97% of what we recorded this morning. I don't know if that math actually checks out. So don't nobody, nobody double check on that. Here's what you can do. Uh, keep on listening. The full podcast is coming. It is a look at how the final four teams in the NFL have built their rosters and their organizations and how much of that can the commanders use as a model. And then we get into some of the prospects that Logan is looking forward to seeing at the Senior Bowl. Because Logan was on his phone and not his laptop, uh, you will hear a little bit of an audio difference compared to the usual uh, for him. But all in all, the information, great as always. And we avoided total catastrophe, a.k.a. a 100% lost podcast so with that said intro over here we are picking up talking about the kansas city chiefs and how they built a juggernaut headed to their fourth super bowl of the patrick mahomes era like just start with their offensive line they got trey smith at right guard a fifth round pick who's developed into something Pretty special, you know. I don't want to say he's a Pro Bowl caliber player, but he's kind of right in that fringe, in that conversation every season. Obviously, Creed Humphrey. And then they go out and do a great job in free agency of bringing in uh, Juwan Taylor at left tackle. The right tackle's name escapes me at the moment. But both those guys were kind of, we got to make sure the money works. We got to make sure the uh, all those situations are correct with the Mahomes contract. So great job by, by them. They do a great job finding a dynamic running back later in the draft and having a vision and a role for him. And then I think they understand, like, I think when you look at Tom Brady, when you look at Tom Tom Brady more than Peyton Manning, like, when you have an elite quarterback, you don't necessarily need elite receiver talent. And so that's kind of where they de-invested. Obviously, Rasheed Rice is coming on the playoffs. And then you have his 
his buddy, his partner in crime, and Travis Kelsey, who again was a third round tight end that's developed in that system. So I think when you look at the pieces, they've they've done stuff through the draft. They've done a great job finding pieces in terms of free agency that fit their vision and their system. And I think when you look on the defensive side of the football there, it's kind of like it's like almost a master class in talent development and draft allocation of draft resources, right? You've got the kid out of Purdue from a couple of years ago who Karloftis, was a border, yeah, Karloftis, yeah, who ends up being super productive in that game yesterday. Uh, the linebackers have all developed. Nick Bolton, all, you know, the guy they drafted from Wisconsin a couple of years ago. The secondary is a guy, all drafted guys that have, or like relatively recent free agent acquisitions, young free agent acquisitions that have all developed. So I think it's the development of the secondary plus the draft capital and then seeing a vision for those guys. And I think that's going to be a very common theme for, for every single team. But I, I think in terms of structure, like all these teams have been very successful in those categories. They've just been very, very successful with the draft, with free agency. And I think they've built, again, like you said, the, the main piece is Patrick Mahomes, but right. they've built an ecosystem where he can be successful. <clears throat> I think that the thing that impresses me the most about the Chiefs and how they've built it is the plan that they had. Like, they let go of the guy who's turned into maybe the best receiver in football, certainly the best receiver in 2023 right. in Tyreek Hill. And they they might, if they win in two weeks in Las Vegas, like, since that happened, they will have played two years and won two Super Bowls. That's yeah. dumb. Like, you shouldn't be able to do that. You shouldn't be able to lose right. an MVP and still win. But they they did it because they understood we can get by here, but we need to beef up here. We need to buttress Mahomes in this offense with a really good defense. Like, we're, the rest of our money has to go on the other side of the ball, and we'll rely on the fact that Mahomes is good. And if we protect him, we can actually get away with that. Because I think that's the other piece, is like they have invested in the O-line, yes. but they've done it in ways that don't involve a lot of money. And I think that yes. is the key. Like, obviously, you're going to have to get some of that stuff right the way the salary cap is. You have to be really, really good in the draft. And you have to be willing to let guys walk, too. And whether that's, you know, a high-end player like Tyreek Hill whether that's, you know, a guy that was the right starting right tackle for them last year, Andrew Wiley, like he was going to be more yeah. expensive than their taste. And so they they moved on. Um, they've moved on from other offensive linemen as well, but they've always had a replacement plan. And I think they also have like a style of play that they understand what they are. Um, and I think that's been a really impressive shift to watch, like with Tyreek. And kind of what they used to have, they used to have the track team, right? It was Tyreek, yeah. it was Nicole Hardman. I know Hardman's still there, uh, or he's back there. But like young Nicole Hardman, who was a 4-3 guy, Tyreek 4-2 guy. They had a couple others whose names are, uh, or I can't think of at the moment, but it was literally just like a track team. And it was, it was super vertical passing game. Uh, as vertical as you can get when Andy Reid and the West Coast offense is your offense. But um, they were attacking vertically, and, and teams eventually were just like, we can't do this. We can't live. Like, Mahomes is going to kill us. And so what the Chiefs have done is kind of gotten out ahead of that and said, we're going to have a really physical running game as part as a, as a club in our bag. We're going to attack underneath more. Kelsey's going to become the featured guy, and we're going to get some other receivers. You know, Juju Smith-Schuster was big for them in this role last year. I think MVS is the guy that they, they kind of like being in this role, even though some of his bigger plays have been down the field. But, like, let's get some possession-oriented receivers. Or Rasheed Rice a guy who's really dynamic with the ball in his hands in a quick screen game and use the fact that Andy Reid's the best screen designer in the history of the league – 
and they found other ways to produce offense without needing those vertical shots because teams don't give them those vertical shots. So it's it's a personnel plan. It's a it's a schematic plan. They've they've just really have a good understanding of who they are and who they want to be. And I think that's going to allow Patrick Mahomes, as long as they keep that, to have like this second act in the same way that Brady did. Like that's the challenge for them now. Even though the first act doesn't seem to be over yet, they're playing in the Super Bowl in two weeks. But like. It, it's had longevity and continuity in ways that other teams are flashing the pan and leave because they've continued to evolve the plan around Mahomes, uh, which is a lot easier than doing it without a Mahomes, but they've continued to evolve it and, and matched personnel and scheme and all the things together. I think that's another thing that people sleep on is, or like, you know, that people forget about. I mean, <laughs> people talk about Patrick Mahomes and the personnel moves, but I think Andy Reid deserves a ton of credit. I think he kind of saw the way the league was going in terms of defensive approach and, you know, like everyone was kind of moving to these two uh, more conservative coverage shells, more disguising coverage shells. And so he basically said, like, we need to be better underneath because teams were kind of killing them with that too high structure for the longest time. No one could play cover three against them because of Tyree kill. And they said, well, you know, why don't we just remove this chess piece from the board? Let's get in these two structures. Let's like lean into Travis Kelsey. I think there's like, that's takes a lot of foresight, you know? And I think like it kind of, being a little bit ahead of what the defense is doing, again, you have the ultimate equalizer in Patrick Mahomes. But I think when you look at the team over the last three or four years, I think like the change you're describing is a schematic change as much as anything. It's a philosophy change as much as anything. And I think when you have a coach like Andy Reid, a guy that you know obviously is one of the best play callers maybe in the history of the NFL, and I'm not saying that lightly or hyperbolically. Like I think his resume speaks for itself. Sure. Like it allows you to stay ahead of the curve. It's the same thing. Like when you look at San Francisco, they've got Kyle Shanahan, you know, and I think you know Detroit's got um, Ben Johnson, and the, the offensive coordinator in um, in Detroit didn't call his best game I think the other night, but he has been awesome in terms of innovating that offense. So I think being at the cusp of offensive innovation and understanding and seeing and predicting where the league is going makes some of these personnel moves make a little bit more sense, which I think is pretty, um, which I think is, which I think is something that, again, we can talk about, you know, putting the pieces on the board, so to speak. But I think it's always important to remember the guy that's moving them around, the guy that's maximizing them. Hey, everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, and putting the pieces on the board, I think, is going to lead us to Baltimore in a second. I will say we'd be remiss to not mention Steve Spagnola as well. Absolutely. Maybe one of the 10, I, I said this the other day on the radio show, like he's got to be one of like the 10 most underrated coaches in the history of the NFL. Like his resume with, in terms of assistance, and assistance, I guess, inherently when they don't go on to become head coaches successfully, wind up being uh, unheralded, uh, not talked about a lot. But like Spags, what he did with the Giants, uh, and then what he's done in Kansas City, like this dude's incredible as a DC. Yeah. And yeah. what he's done with that unit, and obviously they've got a stud at the center of it in Chris Jones who makes his life a lot easier. 
But the way they develop talent on that side of the ball and the way they deploy it is just tremendous. And, you know, I started the radio show on Monday just saying, like, I think people need to understand this is a defensive first football team. Like, we talk about Mahomes and Kelsey because they get the headlines because it's a quarterback and he's him. And, you know, that's who they've been. It's not It's not like this is this is always how it's been. But the 2023 Kansas City Chiefs are a defensive football team. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, not mentioning Steve Spagnola would be uh, would be silly. Um, meanwhile, on the other side, you know, Baltimore, a model organization in its own right, has been for basically its entire existence in Baltimore since they rebooted uh, the Ravens in 25 years ago. Um, Ozzie Newsome, et cetera. Uh, but. I think with them, like the pieces are so good. Their talent acquisition has been so good. And then you get into some of the same stuff in terms of the clarity of assignments and, and the way they coach them up there is just next level. Yeah. And I think I, I really do think they do a good job. I know uh, the talent acquisition is a big deal of having a vision that I think resides in uncontested space to a certain extent. Like they on the offensive line are really okay going out and just getting like huge big athletes that people kind of shy away from traditionally and I and to their credit man they do they've done a great job with developing that group you know obviously they go out and they signed Morgan Moses two off seasons ago and I know he's not like a top five guy but I definitely think he's like a 10 12 ish guy in the NFL and that's that's awesome to have that guy obviously Ronnie Stanley's dealing with the injury but you know like he's when he's at his best he's one of the best tackles in football they have an excellent swing guy there they like their offensive line depth is amazing their ability to kind of find and kind of build a system around these more unconventional, larger, more physical body types and speak to Lamar Jackson's skill set, again, goes back to that schematic element. Defensively, I mean, they've got Michael Pierce on the defensive line who's a 400-pound nose guard. I think he's listed at 375, but we all know that's a lie, right? <laughs> so, you know, like you have guys like that that other teams don't value the same way. And then they're like, we value this piece. We want this piece here. and they've built the defense that way. And I think that that's pretty exciting. Like when you see like a vision, it doesn't have to be, you know, the perfect model for the position as seen by the league. It has to be the perfect model for the position as seen by you. And so they've done a great job in free agency, identifying talent. They've done a great job in the draft of identifying those uncontested space spaces. Obviously, Ozzy Smith uh, is the guy that kind of comes to mind. Ozzy Newsom. That'd be cool if Ozzy Smith did it, though. Sorry, the Ozzie old Newsom. Cardinal there shortstop out there doing backflips and drafting talent. That'd be sick. Yeah, there we go. That's Thanks for catching that. I should know that. Tight end, like iconic Hall of Fame tight end. Yeah. Messed that one up pretty good. And it's then, okay. It's uh, For know, those, think, for those uh, think, that don't know, because it's a podcast, it's very early in the morning in Mobile, Alabama. So we're going to give Logan a pass uh, as we record this. I have and no then, excuses, but it's it's very early for Logan. <clears throat> and then Kyle Hamilton, I think everyone was yeah. like, you know, what's his role going to be? How does he fit? And everyone's like, oh, he's not a, like when I was doing the evaluation, he's not a post safety, right? And they said, we know he's not a post safety. Let's right. lo- use him not in that way. And I think that that's something really nice. Like when you see that, um, when you see a, a team that says, we know what this guy is and we've identified how best to use him. So again, that's the scouting department. That's McDonald. That's everybody that's involved in that process. But I think that's what makes that team so dynamic. And again, you go back to draft and free agency. They've all been pretty successful. And I think that that is something that, again, good teams find a way with that talent evaluation, which is why that Adam Peters hires are so important to get that done right. and get that accomplished. I think the other thing that Baltimore has generally done, and I think their failure to do this offensively on Sunday is why they lose as much as anything, is they know who they are. 
and they yeah. go to that. And I think when you look at the offensive game plan Sunday, Munkin only gives six carries to running backs. Like that's brutal. Like you can't drop yeah. Lamar back 30. What, I mean, he wound up 37 passing attempts, probably 40 dropbacks. Uh, Cause he's, he wound up scrambling a couple of times. So it, it's just, uh, it, to me, it's like an inexcusable game plan. I, and it's extra stunning because that's not what Baltimore does. Baltimore doesn't right. zig uh, away from what they do. They're like, Nope, we're a Zag team. We're zagging. Come stop us. Yeah. And they, they did that to being the best team in, in the league. Um, and I'm sure that's something that they're going to kick themselves about all off season. But I, I think that, you know, the, the coaching element, if we want to touch on McDonald real quick too, like, um, and Anthony Weaver, who's interviewing for this job here, like that talent identification piece works hand in hand with talent development when you have great coaches. And John Harbaugh has just consistently hired great, great coaches. And he himself is obviously a phenomenal coach who, um, I would guess, you know, we obviously saw a little bit of coaching happening at, at the joint practice, but there's so much like that's just managing two teams. So they don't kill each other. That's your job as a head coach at a joint practice. Right. But I'd imagine day to day, uh, when it's just them and Owings mills, like he's probably involved in some of the drills, like he's bouncing around, like he's, he knows the game offensively, defensively, obviously special teams as well, uh, with, with his background. And I, I think that, that coaching level leads to success like this because you just like you can develop talent better when you have a clear vision for it and when you're a good teacher and that that at the end of the day is going to be I think the biggest thing that we're going to see across all these staffs um, McDonald is obviously tremendous at it as a defensive coordinator and it's also been the biggest failure in a lot of teams that haven't done particularly well you like look at their staffs and they fall apart um, or, or teams that fall apart and you look at the staffs and you're like oh that that makes a little bit more sense. None of those guys are, are you know, the ascending next coach uh, or next big, you know, whether it's position coach, OC or or DC or, or head coach, like the staffs that are continually rated every year, um, they come from the best teams. And that's a, it's a bit of a vicious circle, if you will. Um, it's a cyclical type of thing. Yeah, no, and I think like talk about developing coaching staff. I think McDonald was developed definitely like almost entirely in-house obviously he goes to Michigan but I think yeah. like that only idea of developing boss. coaches like in addition to developing players is so important you know and I think like what is your vision like I remember I was talking to somebody about the San Francisco tree and they were like they had a really kind of detailed plan with Mike McDonald there of developing young coaches so that because they understood they understood that like guys are going to leave they're going to move on from this tree and so that I think, like you said, good teams have plans for when guys leave. I think Kansas City, how many how many coaches have left that tree, that offensive coordinator position, and they've just filled it. And they've and again, Andy Reid provides some continuity there, but right. understanding and having talented people to get that stuff communicated is critical. So I think um, I think that's something when you look at the the landscape of these teams, they've they've kind of checked all these boxes, personnel, coaching, succession plans, and you know, obviously, it's disappointing that Baltimore comes out and, and like you said strays so drastically from who they are and their identity again they've thrown the ball more this year but you know they're a physical football team like be a physical football team um so so a little disappointing but ultimately like i think they they all kind of follow similar templates and i think these two teams um you know are going to be good for a long time because of what they've done they've found the quarterback piece both teams obviously to different levels but I think you can win with Lamar Jackson. Obviously, he hasn't won a Super Bowl yet, and I think people are going to detractors are going to point that out all the time. But I think you're in a spot with that roster with him where you say, "Hey, man, we're going to be in it every single year because we've got the guy 
and we've and we've built the roster around the guy in a way that supports his skill set. And um, and I think I think that's that's a, like a perfect easier said than done, but a pretty uh, uh, pretty consistent roadmap for that kind of stuff. Yeah, no doubt. And I think it's important to remember just because someone hasn't yet doesn't mean that they can't. And I think that certainly applies to Lamar Jackson. <laughs> 